everybody, it's John. Welcome back. Happy New Year. So one of the benefits of this podcast is to try and turn people on to really good music. And unless you're Australian or a real devotee of power pop, you may not know this guy. This week's guest is named Dom Mariani. And he's been around forever, 35, 40 years. He's been in more bands than I can even count, to be honest. All of them mainly down under. The first band of his that really took hold and had a lot of success was called The Stems. And they were kind of a garage rock, sort of a fuzzy, really good band, rock band from that era. They eventually broke up. From there, he started another band that's one of the more obscure ones on his resume. But I mention it because that's the band that got me turned on to Don Mariani, and they're called The Sum Loves. They only put out one album in 1990, and one of the singles off that album was called Melt, and it's the song that's playing right now. I love this song. I think it's practically a perfect rock pop song. From there, he went on to a bunch of other bands, more than I can even count, and we talk about a lot of that here. What's really interesting about Dom is that in spite of being this sort of underground cult hero and an Australian songwriter Hall of Fame member, the guy has pretty much chosen to maintain a day job. He runs his own architectural design company, and that's how he has paid the bills for most of his adult life. What he feels strongly about, and I get it, is that by being able to do that, to provide for his family very nicely through that business, that frees him up artistically to do anything he wants to do. And he's still out there doing it now. One of his bands, they're called Detura 4, they released a new album in 2015. And the guy has just been around and everything he puts out is quality. Everything he puts out deserves to be heard because it's amazing rock and roll. In fact, we have a conversation about power pop. That's probably not his most favorite term, but that's what a lot of people kind of, that's the label people associate with him and his great music. For American listeners, the best comparison might be the band The Hoodoo Gurus, also from Australia. Do you remember them? Remember how solid and poppy and hooky their rock music was throughout the 80s and the early 90s? That kind of trajectory and that sound, that style, that's very similar to Dom's style. I hope you get turned on to something in this podcast because there's so much good music to be heard. He called me from his home in Perth, Australia. Look at the idea how big you are in Australia. I have no idea how often you play the States. I have no idea if you've ever tried to conquer the States. I don't really know much about you or your history other than the numerous bands you've been in. Are you a cult figure in Australia or are you a bigger star than that? No, look, if, if, if you were to say that I was a household name, you'd be, uh, yeah, you'd, you'd be misled. Okay. Uh, I guess, yeah, more of a cult status. You know, I've, I've had a couple of things that have, have done quite well here, but yeah, look, these days I don't really make a living out of music anymore. But uh, you know, I, really? I still, yeah, I, st- I still do it quite, you know, with, with a with a kind of serious, you know, sort of intent, I suppose. And what I do kind of affords me the time to to concentrate on music. So I haven't really dropped out of the music scene, and I, I still have, a, I, I guess, some some kind of pre- presence. You know, in in uh-huh. the Australian thing, but yeah, like my time was pretty much in the kind of mid to late '80s when I had a band called The Stems, which did very right. well. We we had an album that, that charted, and uh, we had a sort of minor hit single. I wanna make you mine. I wanna make you- 
your next project, which was the Some Loves. And that was, uh, I, I look back on it, it was kind of a little premature on my on my part because, you know, after the stems broke up, I was in a bit of a funk. Yeah. And um, I was, you know, a bit down and depressed. But uh, I, I kind of, you know, worked my way through it. Um, at that point, I'd actually got myself a day job to kind of pay the bills. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah, while well, well, wow. some lots of things bub- bubbling away. Uh, now, why? Let me ask you this. I mean, you, you could. I mean, from what I can tell, I've counted at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different bands over the mm. last probably thirty-five years, and I know I'm even missing a couple. Um, what's uh, so the some loves become a side stems break up. Some loves become a side project that becomes your main project, but was That's probably right. never intended to be a main project. So it doesn't really, it does. You don't really set sail on that. You put some songs together, put out an album, and that's it, right? Yeah, we, we um, did talk about doing another album, but um, you know, once again, I, I, you know, I probably wasn't in a really good headspace at the time. And uh, you know the label were putting pressure on us to uh, to tour because the album came out obviously from the stems, uh, the the interest from the stems because the band the stems was was quite big. Um, oh, and, really? You know we had a, we had a pretty big cult following, and uh, you know that we basically had the key to the. Really? So now what now? Paint a picture for me of what that level of fame was like, because like I said, I I really don't know. Stems would have been what? Wasn't that about eighty three to eighty six or so, somewhere in there? Yeah, we. Yeah, it started eighty three and then it finished at eighty in late eighty seven. Okay. Um, so okay. And about, uh, but you only put out the one album, but it was enough to. You were touring off that. Did you ever play outside of Australia? No, we didn't, and uh, that was a real shame because we 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 broke up on the eve of a uh, like a massive European tour. No way. And I guess, you know, that that was a symptom of just too much touring in Australia. And, uh, yeah, the things were starting to get a bit shaky between a few members and really? myself and a, another guy in the band. And I, and I didn't like the way the band was. It just got too big and too kind yeah. of crazy for a while. And the management wasn't great. And I decided just to walk out on it. So, um, wow. and then I just... Then I then I just fell in a heap of you know, you yeah, know, sort of de- depression for a little while and yeah, so it was a bit of a sad story. That's and, too um, bad. What was there? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I like to talk about in this podcast with my guests are the transitions that happen in a in a creative musician's life because sometimes people one minute they're rock stars and or they might you know maybe they've been signed to a label and they believe they're about to become rock stars. And then for one reason or another, usually not their fault, it doesn't work out or it comes to an end or whatever. And there's that moment when you have to think, okay, I guess I'm not going to be a rock star anymore. I guess I've got to go get a regular job. I've got to go do something else. It sounds like you kind of had that moment when the yeah. stems came to an end, right? How, how would that have felt? Uh, I think you were depressed. Yeah, at the at the time, you know, it, I, I just needed to get out of that situation. And like before before the stems, um, you know, became you know sort of a, a full time full time thing. 
um, I'd been working as an architectural um, designer uh, draftsman, so uh, you know I had a I'd studied and I had a little thing going anyway before then, and I, I was working mm. a day job while while the band was playing nights, and uh, then then all of a sudden it you know started to take off, and I thought well mm. maybe I should, I should throw my job in and, and give this a crack full time. So um, when that when the stems finished. Uh, yeah, luckily I had that to fall back on. Mm-hmm. I had some experience in the industry, and, and it was a weird period because you know I, I'd sort of gone gone into this office situation, and, and these guys are going, "Hey, hey, man, are you you're not that guy, are you? You know, you're mm-hmm. dominant, you're dominant. only the guys in the band of stands. Hey, you know what's going? What are you doing here? You know, like because yeah. it was a, a very abrupt thing. It wasn't like you know we were sort of on the decline, and yeah. Um, yeah, it just it all wow. imploded, of, you know, oh, very, very very quickly, and so people couldn't believe it when the band split. And uh, so yeah, I, I took some time out, um, did some you know day you know did did the day job thing, yeah. and, and during that period, uh, you know, the some loves was sort of happening, and okay. uh, you know, I took I, I took another bite at that cherry. I thought, well, I'll. Uh, yeah, I'll give this this a crack, and yeah. uh, you know, we, ended, we ended up. We did the single first, that came out, and then a, a year later we were uh, rehearsing, putting another, putting songs together for another album. It was Daryl and myself, and Daryl was the guy that was sort of you know motivating me. He was pushing me because he and I oh. had a lot of you know a, a lot of common ground musically, and right. he's a big okay. a big supporter of mine, you know, back in the Stems days, and Daryl. Uh, he said, "Look, we should do this album. You know, you and I can write some really great songs together." So yeah. I, I pitched the idea to Mushroom, and they they said, "Yeah, great." And so they they sent us off to um, Winston Salem again, and and we did this wow. album with Mitch, and uh, and again, it, you know, it came out, and everyone was really excited about this new band, and people were saying what a fantastic record it was, and yep. we. Was saying we're just a studio project, you know. There's nothing. There's no live touring band going on, and and the label obviously weren't very happy with that because they obviously sold an initial sure. amount of records. Said we need you to go out on tour so we can sell more, and we kind of, you know, we sort of stood our ground and said, look, no, we're not going to be touring. And wow. and uh, then, then Daryl and I. Well, it, I mean, what, it wasn't were you just not really interested in getting back out there, or did you not feel like you had the songs, or were you not uh, were you kind of burnt out from the Stems experience and not wanting to relive that? I mean, I personally, I've been listening to a lot of your stuff. I, I'm sure everyone has their favorites. The Some Loves is that's my to me that's that's your high point to me personally. I could, that yeah. album is perfect in my mind. Well. It, it was a little bit of that burnout thing, but you know what? When I went back um, and I, I was working the day job thing, um, I was actually moonlighting and playing with a, in a friend's band called the Summer Suns, and um, mm. so I was I was still still playing. You know, I wasn't mm. like I'd stopped. I, I, like I was, I was the I was the active live musician. Daryl wasn't. Daryl wasn't into oh. playing. He was in a band previously called the Lime Spiders. Um, oh yeah. Sort of a, Garage rock band, and uh, they were around the same time as the Stems. But he sort of left early on. He had a falling out with one of the guys in the band, and so he he left. 
but he definitely didn't want to play live. And okay. uh, his reason was, you know, he had problems with stage fright and stuff like that. Oh, so he, he didn't feel like he really wanted to get back on stage anymore. And I was happy to support him with that, you know. I thought, well, you know, yeah. I'm, well, I wasn't sort of um, hungry to kind of go out and, and tour again, in a way. So I was, mm-hmm. I, it didn't really bother me that, you know, we didn't really take it out on the road. But I could see the record label's point. And I thought, well, look, maybe we should just do like a small tour, just a token tour, just to say, look, we, you know, we are an active band, and yeah, that would that would have gone a long way into kind of clinching the the next album because they were keen to kind of follow it up. But then they came back with a you know ultimatum. They said, look, no tour, no second album. Mm. And uh, and Daryl was you know sort of they were mainly talking to me because yeah. they they knew through the stems and I had a relationship with the with some of the people there. And Daryl was the outside guy that was um you know, that they were, were kind of sort of going, Well, you know, who's this Daryl guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um you're the one we're interested in. We're not really interested in Daryl. Um and, and that that started to create friction between Daryl and I. Sure, so of course it would, yeah. I, I I thought I thought, well look, you know what, this is all getting too hard and I'm I'm gonna I'm basically going to give him my notice. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And Daryl would sort of ring me and go, look, you know, don't pull out. You know, I'm going to talk Mushroom into sort of doing another album. And I'll say, look, if we do another album, we'll do a tour on the next album. So we'll forget this one, um, something or other. We won't be touring on that, but we'll 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 do a, a small tour to back up the second album. Because Daryl was really keen to do a second album. And we started writing songs for the second album. Uh, we had a few, and uh, but then you know because I was still you know in my depressed state, and sure. I had a young child, and I was just getting really negative about it again. And I thought, no, look, this is not sounding good, not feeling good. And I just pulled the pin, and he managed to talk him into another album. He said, look, Mushroom, wow. they're going to they're going to go with another album, the Some Loves album. But I, at that point, I'd had it. I thought, no, yeah. this is going to the same track as the as the Stems, and I. You know, I want to keep I want to keep a friendship with with you, Daryl, and I don't want to be fighting over you know petty band things. Um, so yeah. I yeah I shelved that, and then basically at that point I I was I was forming a, a local band because Daryl and I lived on opposite sides of the country. I lived in Perth, he lived in Sydney, and that made things oh, difficult. Wow. Because okay. He would. By the way, let me ask out. you. Oh, let me. I'm sorry to interrupt. Let me ask you real quick. So, is the the technical the second album that I'm guessing never really came out? Is that what makes up the rest of the "Don't Talk About Us" kind of? I don't know if it's a box set, but the that compilation. Come back. But that will 
know it's sort of outtake tracks. Um, oh, oh, really? Okay. Didn't come, yeah, didn't come out on the album. And one, one was uh, the first single, a couple of versions of a remix of one of the first singles, and the second single as well. There was a we remixed that for the album, and there was a B side and another song that we we did at the same time that, that appeared on that. Some some of the songs that came out on the first DM3 album and the second one are. are, are um, Songs that I sort of had put aside for the second Sun Loves album. Like oh, okay. That song, uh, Take It All, for example. Uh-huh. Turn out the lights, cause everything's alright. Now that it's over, and I don't feel bad for the time I've had. With no satisfaction You can take it on You can take it on Cause what you say Can't get what you want Yeah, so that, those songs were they were going to be uh, some love songs, but yeah, they ended up being DM3. Yeah, so, yeah okay. uh, DM3 formed pretty much at that point, and uh, yeah, we started playing local shows. Just yeah, just to, just to play because yeah. you know I love to play, and uh, you know just to get my spirits up basically, and uh, and then we ended up doing the um, the first album, and okay. uh, at that point, that's genius that too, point, by the way. I mean, you Thank know the one time, two times, and three red light. That is, uh, that's an amazing album too. I mean, that that's a total sweet spot there. Those those the first DM three and the some loves to me anyway. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah, one time, two times devastated. The some loves did a version of that, and uh, but we never finished it. We only did the the kind of backing track for it. So oh. it's sitting some sitting somewhere in the can. Wow. You know. Yeah. But yeah, that's so that, that's how DM, DM3 came about. And okay. um, you now, know, so we, are you um, at this point? Are you back in the music, or are you moonlighting at music while you're doing your architecture job, or what's the state of yeah. affairs personally for you? Moonlighting. So um, okay. yeah, at that at that point, the, uh, DM3. We're treading water for about three years before we could release that first album after the Some Loves album. So uh, you could say for two years, you know, I wasn't able to release anything because, um, or three years, I wasn't able to release anything because I was still contracted, mm-hmm. um, and, and Mushroom weren't about to let me go. So you know, I, I kind of contacted them a few times, said, "Look, you know, I really, I'm not going to be pursuing music on a." you know, sort of serious level anymore as far as, you know, releasing something on another label, commercial label. So will you please let me go? So you had to go through the whole legal process of... Right. ...which took a while for them to kind of release me from from the contract. And uh, at that point, that's when I, you know, I'd I'd made my mind up... Yeah, yeah. ...that uh, I just wanted to pursue it on on a kind of indie level. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's how. And DM3 pretty much opened the doors for that. I went back to a, a smaller label, okay. where I could sort of 
control, you know, yeah. my, my desk, both with music and, um, yeah. And does that become did. your job? I mean, so then you can leave your, your, or you, when you sign the new agreement and you become, and you, the DM3 becomes a real thing, are you still moonlighting or are you now committed to, I'm just trying to get an idea of, are you going back and forth between like a nine to five job and then quitting a job and becoming a musician for a while and then that kind of dries up and then it's back to 95 and back and forth? Or are you kind of maintaining a regular job or a regular career as you are doing music simultaneously? Yeah, I'm maintaining a, a regular jo- job. Okay, um, while okay. I'm music. But, I, but I've been quite fortunate because I've, I've found and worked for people where they've let me be quite sort of... Uh, Flexible. They give me the flexibility for me to, to yeah. do it because they understood. They understood where you know. Yeah, what yeah. I did, That's, you need that. Who right? I was. Good for you. And so I, w- I would, uh, you know, I would take you know a couple of months off to yeah. tour and uh, you Very know without cool. pay. So I managed to kind of hit the European scene. Um, yeah. And okay. That, and that, that w- without that, I guess I probably wouldn't be talking to you today. I wouldn't be still still active in the music scene because the, the European scene really kind of, and to a lesser extent the US, um, uh-huh. gave me a reason to kind of continue because, you know, I guess selling enough records and getting enough of a profile that it, it, I was happy, you know, I was happy where, with where I was. Right. I, you know, I, was, I wasn't hitting the top 40, I wasn't selling thousands of records, but um, selling enough and getting enough um, yeah. validation. Yeah, to keep, right. keep, keep me in the industry and keep keep me yeah. playing music and writing songs. So, yeah, DM3 lasted for seven years. So that that was my main. Good. Okay. That was my, that was my main thing for a while, from like ninety, say ninety two to ninety nine. Wow. And uh, well, let me yeah, let so me. That, I want to ask you something. I want to get your thoughts on something, because it's clear that power pop is basically what you're about. I mean, there's variations. You know, garage rock has and surf rock and, and kind of the psych rock and some of the other genres that you dabble in are all, to me, sort of branches on the power pop tree, right? And um, to my to my ears, power pop is like perfection. And yet it remains kind of marginalized. You know what I'm saying? Why, it seems to me, if you're going to sit down and write a song, a song like Melt or any one of the hundreds of the songs you've written and put out there is like exactly what somebody would want. Perfect. The guitar sounds great. There's a hook. There's a chorus. It's upbeat. It's fun. It's going to make you happy. That's what music should be. And yet, for whatever reason, power pop doesn't ever seem to... It remains on the fringe. It remains a a subculture or a subcategory of pop music that has its devoted following. I'm curious. Do you have any opinions on why you think it is that power pop as a genre isn't a bigger deal or a more respectable genre? Because to me, it's like the perfect thing. That's what it should be. Yeah. Pop that rocks. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Look. Um, yeah. I try. I try not to kind of categorize. You know, obviously, you know, power pop now is a uh, you know fairly well well established sort of genre or, mm-hmm. or a, la- a label that people put on certain types of music. Um, 
and I, and I think in a way it's to a detriment of what it is because mm. you know certain people kind of I'm going to form a power pop band you know it becomes yeah. very kind of specific for people and that's when I think the music becomes quite sort of um, I don't want to use the word second rate but you know it, mm-hmm. it 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 ends up not being as good as what it should be like you know if we're talking about what they what what people class or term as power pop we're talking you know bands that weren't didn't call themselves power pop you know we're talking yeah, the right. Raz, talking you know we're talking the who um yeah you know even cheap trick or uh bad finger and you know the yeah. class it speaks star you know they the, the great you know people that are either power pop per se you know always always kind of cite these bands and look you know i've, I've fell into the trap a little bit because when daryl and i were were um you know getting off on on you know music that we liked you know that the, the the power pop word would come up and and, and we yeah. were going oh yeah the real kids you know this is power yeah. pop and we kind of got carried away with it because it it was such a cool term and uh-huh. you know we would but, you know, power pop as opposed to punk rock or whatever, you know, other genres, yeah. labels people want to put put on music. But I guess what you're saying is, yeah, look, it, it, the, the the thing about um, that kind of music is a melody. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, it's, it, but the, I, I believe like you that if, if, if that music was, was given more of an airing, if, if the, say, the, 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 um, the commercial... Or the industry mm-hmm. were sort of promoting pr- promoting more of that kind of music or that style of band or song. There's no doubt that you know the average person that would hear that would sort of latch onto it and buy it because it exactly. is great. But I think for a lot of industry people, it sort of harks back to sort of like the Beatles and and you know the '60s mm-hmm. and stuff, which they yeah. I think they they believe this is just my thought. They believe it's been and gone. Yeah, and sure every. Every now and then, you know, something will come through that's, you know, like I guess they they would term we would term power pop, and they, you know, right. as as a kind of a retro kind of uh, throwback to that era, and everyone goes, "Wow, this is a great song," and you know, it reminds us of the Beatles and the the Who and all this sort of thing. But it's very kind of small and short lived, and yeah, and then everybody goes back to their kind of you know, hip hop or whatever's kind of right, you know, right, the, 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 this sort of uh, X factor pop music that's sort of so big these days, but yeah, yeah look, it, and it and it has gone sort of um, not underground, but I guess it's, a, it's more of a cult thing, you know, these days. You yeah, know, people are really, you know, they know what they like and they go to that, you know, that, that's power yeah. pop music, and I like, and I'm going for that. But yeah, look, I think given given the perfect world and and playing field, um, a great song is a great song. Yeah, I agree. Do you know? Uh, did you know Paul Collins? I do. Yes. Yeah, Paul. He's been on this podcast. As have shoes, by the way. I noticed you covered shoes uh, too Love late. The shoes.
shoes came from that kind of era where I guess, you know, it, I, I guess when, when, when that term was derived, you know, by, by Bomp or Greg Shaw and stuff, you know, they, they were right. right in there. They were, like, they were like the band, you know, the Flaming yeah. Um Yeah, and there was all these other bands that were sort of um, termed, you know, I guess, right. pop, but, um, yeah. When Paul Collins and I were kind of discussing this sort of topic, he was saying similar things to you, which is like, to me, it's just rock music. To me, it's just great music. And it's, great. and you, you're the ones calling it power pop. And then, but then later in his career, he sort of fought that label. Probably, you probably had similar feelings. Kind of fought the cat, you know, the, don't, don't fence me in. You know, don't like, give me this yeah. label that limits me in my abilities. This is just rock music. This is my version of rock music. And um, yeah, but then later on, yeah, when yeah. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, to- I totally agree. You know, like yeah, for me, as I write songs that are got melody and they're catchy. Obviously, exactly. There's, you know, there's influences there that hark back to that. But I'm not sitting down going, yeah, this is you know, I'm writing yeah. this music. I'm going to write the I'm next gonna... power pop classic, right? Yeah, and he was and, saying. Uh, as he got older and power pop, you know, because music now is so, it's all niche, right? It's so fragmented into these little, yeah. into these genres and subgenres and whatever. And he finally kind of came around. I'm not saying you should do this or it's the right thing or the wrong thing. But for himself, to maintain his career, he eventually sort of embraced uh, being what he called himself the king of power pop. Long time ago, all across this land, rocking what was hurting, it was feeling so bad. A couple of boys picked up their guitars, they couldn't really play, so they started writing songs. They were the kings of power pop. At first it wasn't easy, cause no one really cared. They kicked them out of everywhere, they kicked them down the stairs. Standing on the corner of Hollywood and Vine, listening to the man tell me rock and roll it died. They were the I love the Birds. I love, you know, mm-hmm. the Rolling Stones. I love, you know, I love a lot of 
just what I call great music, and and sure. those things influenced me. You know, that's um, melody is what I grew up on. So right. uh, I think that really, um, yeah, you know, has a big, big, uh, you know, a, a, a big sort of, uh, you know, effect on on what I yeah. what I write. That's what you're chasing, right? Because a great melody, and yeah. It comes out however it comes out, and because of your talents and your abilities and your taste or whatever, it comes out sounding like it does. And for you, it, it's been, I mean, you've had, I don't, I mean, to me, you're, all these bands that you've been in are successes because they're all so good. You know what I mean? You don't have like a weak spot anywhere, Dom, that I can find because uh, everything you're putting out there is kind of amazing. In fact, I wanted to mention, um, so you're, I mean, we, here we are talking about songwriting and abilities and what and whatnot. You're in the West Australia Music Industry Awards Hall of Fame. Is that right? Did I have that? Do I have that right? Yes, apparently. Yes. <laughs> That's kind of a long title, but the bottom line is you're, I mean, somewhat, other people feel the same way. Don Mariani deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for his ability to write songs. And I, so that's kind of, I mean, that has to make you feel good, right? Sure, it's it's nice to be you know, recognised as you know doing something good because at the end of the day, um, you know what you're doing is is something that you want other people to appreciate. It's like art, you know, yeah. doing a painting or whatever. Um, you know, you, you put it out there, and and hopefully, you know, there are going to be people that can relate to it and enjoy what you do. Because I'm a fan, and I love you know certain bands and 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 people that have influenced me, and and um, yeah, that, that's you know, it's to me, yeah. it me, it, it 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 makes makes it all worthwhile that when sure. what you appreciated by other people. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anyone else in that Hall of Fame that we would have heard of? That you would have would have heard of? Yeah, I mean, well, are, in are a, there? Well, in the, the West guys. Australia Music Industry Awards Hall of Fame, are there other members of that Hall of Fame that you know? Um, a, a casual music listener in America might have heard of? Oh, for sure, yeah. Well, you would have heard of uh, Bon Scott, the lead singer from... Oh, AKG. absolutely. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. I didn't uh, know what, the guy, what level this thing was, you know? Okay, cool. Yeah, In Excess, guys. Um, uh, one of my all-time favorites, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, then there's Kim Salmon, who's uh, like a cult figure. Okay. Uh, in Australian sort of punk rock, uh, Dave Faulkner from the Hoodoo Gurus. So let me, I want to ask you, I mean, you've, you've been in so many bands, and they seem to sort of, I lost track. I was trying, I mean, I'm looking at your Wikipedia page, which is, in, you know, hundred always 100% accurate, but it's like every year you're in a band, and then there's a new band, and then a couple of years later the old band comes back together, and then yeah. and they do a tour, and then... One of the other bands gets back together, and then it's a new band. You know what I mean? It's like this series, and I'm wondering. So, a couple of things. Number one, I mean, do you is that do you like approaching your career that way? And, and do you do that because each band represents a a different version, maybe, of your personality or a different side of your personality that you get to indulge when you're with these other musicians? You're spot on there, John. I think you've you've nailed that one pretty well. Um, really? Okay, good. Yeah, because because um, you know, like I'm not relying on music as my living. I guess um, okay. I'm able 
you know, and and that's something I worked out, you know, back in the stems where, you know, music to me is very, very, uh, you know, it means a lot to me. It's basically what what kind of makes me makes me tick, what makes me click as a sure. person as well. Yeah, and, uh, me too. As much as I love my architectural work, um, that's another creative side that I love. I love to draw, but uh, you know, music to me is, a, you know, it, it, it's so precious that when, as a kid, when I was growing up and into my teens, and I always wanted to be, like, well, I, I always felt that the music that I listened to was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's Beatles, or the early Bee Gees, or the Monkees, or Led Zeppelin. Or whatever you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Always wanted. I always wanted to be in a band that played cool music. I wanted to make cool music uh, that I thought was cool. You know. Yeah. Of course. All that's great. So it, it's always about quality. And I and I you know listen to blues guitar players and I listen to great rock guitar players. So for me, I came from a guitar background. I wanted to be a good guitar player, but I I think I was smart enough to realize that I didn't want to be a virtuoso on the guitar, and that I wanted what I loved about guitar, the great the guitar players that I liked, it was so kind of spontaneous and there was kind of roughness, but also an originality and a melody to the style that they played. So I loved, you know, John Fogarty's style of guitar playing. Mm-hmm. I loved mm-hmm. Freddie King. I loved, you know, um, Jimmy Page or Jimi Hendrix, you know. And those, what made those guys, they wrote songs that kind of, I guess in a way highlighted their guitar playing, but they also yeah. they didn't over they didn't over sort of stay the welcome with the sure there's examples where they you know do very long solos and stuff right. like that, but they they actually released hits. Sure. You know, CCR especially, you saying that makes sense. I mean, there's an economy of music of note. Yeah. Right, being played there, they're not overdoing it except for one or two songs. But in general, it's like straight to the point and lean and mean. And I can hear you mentioning that. I can hear that. I can hear a direct line, a through line, sort of between CCR and what you've been doing mainly throughout most of your career, really. Well, I, well, I think CCR, John Fogerty, you know, it was probably underappreciated for a long time. But I think, yeah. you know, as as history has has come to pass, he's been recognised as one of the greatest songwriters of, of, of all time for, you know, for, for rock and roll and for, you know, for, in music, basically, American rock and roll, like, yeah. you know, he, he, he derived his influence from the 50s and then I guess some of the 60s through the Beatles and stuff, so he took on that old school kind of songwriting style where he would write songs that would sort of showcase his personality, his style or what he was going going for and those songs are classics, you know, you hear them on yeah, the radio. Sure you, you don't want to you don't turn the radio off. You nope. actually turn it nope. up when it yep. comes on. So, yep. Every know, that, time. That's where I that's where I came from. So, you know, when when the stems broke up and a, a part of the reason was just I was a little bit afraid of going the next level and kind of selling out in mm. a way. Even though I knew that I would never let that happen, but right. I felt like I'd lost a little bit of control of the band with through the management and, and one of the other members that they were definitely heading towards a, a path that I felt like I formed the band and I was the main guy in the band, but I wasn't sort of I was losing control of it. And yeah. uh, 
just felt like I had to bail out for my own kind of sanity. And uh, I guess I've been lucky because I had that career behind me, which yeah. was the architecture side, that hmm. that was going that was going to pay my bills and feed my family. Yeah, but interesting. it was that. But it was going also. It was also going to fuel and help me sustain my musical passion yeah. and love. That is to write songs the way I want to write them, and if you you know put them out and 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 basically be the quality controller of what I do. Yes. Without 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 having to sort of uh, rely on it to kind of you know yes. write a hit that's gonna that's gonna um, you know pay my bills for that. That's next. so interesting. You know, some people view it. It's so it's so interesting to hear how people view this because, in in some people's minds, based on their goals, right, based on what they want to achieve or hope to achieve, for so many of them, it's like fame, you know, and stardom. And so, getting a regular job or paying your bills, as we've said, um, through any other way would be viewed as some kind of a failure. But you see it as a relief. That's what gives you the freedom, knowing that you. I have this ability in architecture that I can always do, and it will always pay me well, and it will always take care of me. And because I can do that and I enjoy doing it, I can, I can be the artist that I want to be, right? And I can t- make my own choices. And, yep. if, if that, and, and it gives you the – it frees you up financially, which, I mean, let's face it, that's one of the key needs – to survive in this life, it frees you up to be whatever kind of an artist you want to be, right? And and hang, go toward every whim that may that you feel. Do I have that kind yep. of right? Absolutely. And look, I have to give my wife credit for this because she's been yeah, that's true. You know, like not financially, but um, no, I know what she's, you mean. Yeah, but she's been been there, kind of, you know, my moral support, I guess. And yeah, and, that's and, a big one. And uh, you know she she understood what what it meant to me and um, yeah look it, it's all about quality of work and um, yeah. you know I, I see I you know it's like another world to me like I go into another world when I'm doing this music and I you know sure you can get onto the scene as 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 they say and and sure the scene is there and and there's a lot of obstacles you've got to kind of well I wouldn't call them obstacles but a lot of things that you you kind of have to not em- embrace fully, but you know you ne- you need to kind of you know you you, you need to, how can I put it you, you need to kind of um, navigate through yeah. I guess yeah. so that you, know, you can get your music heard and and uh, be yeah. a part of and, and uh, part of part of the scene and get you know get get some kind of recognition. So, um, but for me, it's always been the music is the, the number one thing. So. Yeah. And do you I, again going back? I don't know. Do you does the name Don Mariani in Australia carry enough weight that <laughs> you you schedule a show and you know that at least a, a chunk of people are going to be there? Yeah, look, uh, I could you know I could I, I could say that. Um, okay. You know, I'm not, not not I'm not a big artist where I could you know sell out like a five hundred. 500 people it depends on the band like the stems sure but uh, okay okay yeah look, but you're not a nobody i mean the people who know you know okay if dom mariani's name is on this band or on this marquee there's a level of quality there i want to see what i'm a fan of dom's i'm going to be dom's i'm going to be there 
Yeah, look, there's there's a there's a core fan base. Absolutely. Okay, good. And, cool. And 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 the and the great thing is, you know, it's also all about all about exposure at the end of the day. And, and obviously, I have limited resources when it comes to that. Um, but you know, it it's sort of there, and and I release things, and it gets reviewed. So good. I guess that's you know, so pe- people people kind of. Okay. People know who I am, and uh, you know, some some are interested, and some some maybe not. Yeah, but um, right. that's the way it is. There's enough there to keep you going. That's great. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, well, okay. I always ask. We can we can move toward wrapping it up. I always I always ask these two questions because I'm really curious what the people what people say. When you look back over your career, what is the most amazing memory? Um, I mean, you've been at this for almost, what, 35, 40 years? So what was the the highlight maybe is the wrong thing, but when you sit quietly in your living room and you just think, I can't believe that happened to me, was it hearing yourself on the radio? Was it meeting a hero? Was it a good review? Was it writing a song where you feel like you nailed it? And then what would be your biggest regret that that – sliding doors thing where if I had just made one small decision differently, you know, life may have turned out different. Mm. Uh, two two very uh, interesting questions. Look, <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, you know, like for highlights, you know, there's lots of little highlights. So, well, big in, in my view anyway, but um, one main highlight, oh, look, I, I, I remember... I remember uh, in the Stems actually when um, we just released our first single, and uh, I re- always remember this because it was one of those things that I guess you know at the time it felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we were dri- we, dri- we were driving across from Western Australia to the East Coast. We just released our first single, which was "Make You Mine." Uh, She's a monster. It was like a double A side thing, right? And um, we got to a town, I think, on the outskirts of New South Wales. So it's a fair, fair drive. It, t- it took like three to four days to get across. Oh and, wow! Uh, okay. So we, this single came out on the label Citadel, who were a fairly kind of up and coming label, and uh, the, the inner city of, of um, I guess, Sydney was was a burgeoning kind of scene at the time. There were all these really cool bands like the Lime Spiders, the Screaming mm-hmm. Tribesmen and Died Pretty and, and bands like that. So there, there was this kind of rediscovery of sort of garage sort of and Detroit sort of rock and roll that was going on. So right. we, we were like 60s revivalist garage music, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get to this town and we went and bought uh, like a, the magazine, with, there was two two big magazines here in music magazines in Australia. One was called Ram, and the other one was called Duke. And Ram right. was probably the cooler one. It came out of Sydney, and that had a chart, which was um, the Australian in, independent sort of uh, or, or music chart. It was all sort of Australian music that was coming out at the time. And I would I would buy this magazine and as as a fan and sort of read it. Go, oh, geez, what, I, you know, wish I could be in that chart one day. Sure, you know, sure. Of course, I wish I could chart. Uh-huh. And I remember opening it up and remember seeing our single debuting at number two. I 
Well, your life turned out okay, right? I mean, you. I mean, yeah, looking look, back, it seems like a success to me. You get to do everything you want. You pay your bills yeah, and you do everything you want artistically. And your family's intact and good, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't plan it that way, but in a way it sort of worked out really well because, um, you know, I, I look back on the stuff I've released and it, I'm proud of it all. You know, I think it's all yeah. strong. And, uh, you know, even, even in Majestic Kelp, the instrumental soundtracks band... Datura 4, which is more of a heavy kind of uh, late 60s, early 70s kind of rock thing. Again, that was a very, very much a, a part-time band that um, mm-hmm. eventually wrote, we, I wrote some songs, and then we thought, well, we'll go in and record it, and it got to the right label, however, yeah. and, uh, it, and and all of a sudden, yeah, we, we you know we sort of see it being reviewed in Classic Rock magazine, and yeah, you know all the you know Viva La Rock and and uh, Uncut magazine is and giving it really great reviews, so. You know, now now we're sort of waiting, you know, to sort of find a time where we can actually go out and tour it because we've had yeah. a few offers from Europe and stuff. So. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. Okay. Right on. Well, look, yeah, yeah. I got to thank you, Dom. I mean, I no worries, bottom line is, I think you're a genius. I think oh. you're amazing. And uh, I'm so grateful that you talked to me because if I can turn a couple people on to any one of the bands, several bands that you've been in, and any couple of songs that you've written, I've done my job because I think you are an absolute genius, and I appreciate you talking to me. I'm humbled, John, by that. 
comment. True. I, you know, I wouldn't see myself like that, but um, I would. Thanks very much. I'm I'm glad uh, you know you like it, and uh, yeah, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I you're keep, amazing. Keep, keep keep doing more, you know. So. Yeah. There you have it, Don Mariani. I mean, you have to have heard something over the course of this podcast that caught your eye. There is so much music out there. He's responsible for so much quality work. I really hope that if you're not already familiar with him, you'll seek him out. There's a wealth of quality, excellent rock and roll to discover. I think he's a legend. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or whatever you use. Write us a review. It's very helpful. Find us on Facebook. You can like our page. Stay in contact with us that way. You can email me at thehustlepod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. You can subscribe to our playlist on YouTube. Just look for the Hustle Podcast playlist. Please stay in touch with us. Huge thanks to Jan Matkevich for producing this podcast. Jan the man. We're grateful for him and everybody else. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Stay in touch. We'll be back next week.